there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Natrani, joined today by Sports Illustrated senior writer, New York Times best-selling author of the book Blood in the Garden, Chris Herring. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, friend. How are you? I'm good. This is that time of year where it really pays off to live in Los Angeles because it's just 75 degrees every single day during the day and then just a little cool at night but not too cool every single night i really hate um, you it's, it's i, I really live in dang. chicago and it's october i really hate you we had uh, 80 degrees last weekend though and and you better believe that me and my boys were out brunching hard because uh, i i can't ever remember having had 80 degrees in late october but i think we all recognized it for what it is i've had the heat on lately it gets into the 40s at night so uh, winter is a coming, but uh, yeah. Chris, it's almost Halloween. You know, we're this is our it's the twenty eighth. We're recording this podcast. Are you? Do you get into the Halloween spirit? Do you like? You know, Mike and I always used to talk about how we like to watch scary movies. Do you? Do you get in, into any of the the scary season, etc.? No, not really. I mean, I, I kind of there were two things that I essentially dropped once I was out of college playing playstation and playstation 2 and uh and not even while i was out of college like during college because i started working for the school newspaper the other thing was kind of like halloween it just kind of went by the wayside because I, I couldn't make the time for it and quite frankly uh you and i were talking off camera just about how we're both doing and we're like a uh, good but i think we're kind of run down like i've really been trying to cram and just watch as much basketball as i can for the first couple weeks mm. um so knowing that making time to like go to a Halloween party, going out to shop for a Halloween costume would pull away from trying to stay up on just all these new players, all these great rookies. I haven't really made excess time for that. So the the extent to which I'll be a Halloween person this year, I live in a, a high rise. And so, you know, there are a lot of families that live in this building. Um, I will go out and get the best candy I can find for the probably <laughs> 30 kids that will come by. Like I, I love seeing kids happy. On Halloween, I love seeing people dress up their dogs, which I don't know what that says about me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I like the cheerfulness around it, but I'm not someone that carves out a lot of individual time for it myself. What about you? Okay, well, I mean, I've been watching mad scary movies lately. Shout out to Barbarian. Um, wish I, I watched it on MTV. I wish I'd seen it in theaters. 
Um, I do. I did my like. This is not really a Halloween movie, but I will watch Silence of the Lambs. Um, okay. Usually around this time. I, I won't watch it for Halloween, but that's a good movie, though. It's a great <laughs> yeah, movie. It is. It is. <laughs> My question to you is, what's the best Halloween costume you've ever had? The best costume I've ever had? Um, I went through a phase. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I went through. Well, I went through. I went through multiple phases. When I was in junior high, your boy thought he wanted to be Cisco. So uh, when your boy had more hair. <laughs> Uh, he definitely got the the silver spray paint, uh, the hair the hairspray. Got that, uh, Yo, that's you know. Awesome. Had a big ass chain that I wore uh, and was doing dance moves all down the street. And then there was one other year where I guess it must have been high school, earlier in the high school, junior high. Junior high feels like it would have been inappropriate for like the type of junior high I went to. I remember getting a a, a really expensive Eric Cartman mask because I was really into. South Park, um, and like given my background, like I was someone that grew up in the church, and uh, you know I was the son of a like a professor, a sociology professor, and a mom that was like a director of marketing at a major hospital here in Chicago. Like my parents were pretty distinguished people, but my dad was always thrown off by how much my mom enjoyed South Park with me at a relatively young age. <laughs> so he was like, yo, I don't really think you should be watching this, but like, I really can't tell you, you can't if your mom is going to sit there and watch it with you. So I was like, mom, I want to get a Cartman mask. She was like, I'm cool with that. So I did that. Those were probably my two <laughs> best ones. I was Cosby one year um, after college. The one time I did Halloween <laughs> after college. So that, that one does not go in the hall of fame. It's more like the hall of shame. Um, and people thought I was Carlton. Even though I was wearing like one of those really <laughs> ridiculous Kuji like sweaters, which was how I was like, wow, Michigan's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the University of Michigan campus is far too white that white people can't distinguish that mm-hmm. I'm Cosby and not Carlton. But uh, either way, uh, so those are probably my three that stand out to me that I can remember. What about you? Uh, I think like the first Halloween I could remember, my brother and I went as Superman and Batman, which was pretty sick. And I had, like, a full cape and mask and everything. Okay. That was a fun one. That had to be, like, the first Halloween we celebrated in America. And I'm just curious what my parents, like, I, like you know, when did, when did they make the decision they were going to buy us <laughs> costumes? And, you know, yeah. like, immigrants got a lot going on sometimes, you know. I was making yeah. one of our colleagues in a meeting the other day. Like, they're all paying a lot of attention to their kids. I'm like, this is not what it was like for well, some of us growing up. Um It'd be interesting to ask, a, though, if you wanted to, like, if if it was a way of... That's a big part of American culture. It doesn't mean you have to fit into it. But it is. if they wanted you to not feel left out or particularly if you... During right. school, if other kids are dressed up or what have you. But, yeah. One year in college, I just went as, like, a lumberjack. But I had a fake ass, axe. <laughs> so it, it played, fake bro. Ass. It played, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love fake that. fake axe. Yeah, it played. You know what? That's all I gotta say. That's hilarious. Low key, as you asked me whether I'm a Halloween person, so I I, I'm dating someone that lives in New York. She came to Chicago for the weekend a couple weekends ago, so I rounded up my friends, my sister. Um, I had planned out for us to go to a pumpkin patch, so that was maybe the most Halloween oriented thing I've done in in Mm. years. Um, But I figured, you know, it's fall; it's still warm enough. We did that, and as you talk about the axe and how well that played. Uh, it was like more of an adult pop-up c- pumpkin patch and kind of, you know, Halloween thing in the city. <laughs> they had carnival games, which were fun. Like you shoot hoops and they had plates that you could try to break while you're throwing baseballs at them. They were the most flimsy plastic plates I've ever seen. I'm like, yo, I broke one, but they do not want you to break those plates. They fall off and fall off the wall and they still don't break. It's like, yo, these are this is designed for you to not be able to break them. But the one game that they had... Wow, we're really off course here. The the one game that they had you were so was we, we had axe throwing there, and I've done axe throwing before, but none of my friends knew that I'd done it, and my girlfriend did not know I'd done axe throwing before. So we did it, and I was like basically hitting the bullseye every damn time, and they were just like, "Yo, like how and why are you so good at this?" But I'm really good at axe throwing randomly. I'm, I'm Paul Bunyan. There Literally, my sister right. called me Paul Bunyan in the midst of the axe throwing. But anyway. Maybe we should start talking right, about so basketball got, now. Uh, seriously, <laughs> man, we got like uh, now that we know you're in talent. I'll just I'll wrap this up by saying I've never done pumpkin carving. Anyway, let's get Me either. to One time. the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not for us. Let's just put it that way. Um, 
it is it has been you mentioned watching so much basketball the last you know couple weeks since the season has started yeah. like the nba is so back i don't remember it ever being this back you know what i mean there's just been so many games some teams the schedule has been weird i don't understand the schedule like the heat have played six games the bucks have played four um some teams have played a lot some teams have played a little it's weird yeah um but there's there's so much I want to get to, and I want to start with something I wrote about this week. This team played two uh, national games, pretty much back to back. The Nets played the Bucks on Wednesday. They got the Mavericks last night. They ended up losing both games, the Dallas game in overtime. I still think that Dallas game was arguably the best the Nets have looked um, for stretches mm-hmm. of the season at a time. You know, I wrote about them. You know, I used to be in a group chat with uh, Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp, and they always used to make fun of me because my solution for everything was, ah, go small. Just, you know, (laughs) play five (laughs) small forwards at once. And I wrote about that as, you know, in regards to Ben Simmons, where it didn't make sense to me how the overwhelming majority of his minutes were coming alongside Nick Claxton or Daron Sharp. It didn't seem like a viable strategy. Against Dallas, I think we saw for the first time Steve Nash really commit to using Simmons as the five. He took him out early in the first quarter, brought him back in kind of as the lone big, lone non-shooter. And they had some really good minutes. I think some of the best minutes of the season there. The Simmons thing has been a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, the guy did have back surgery. Obviously, he Mm -hmm. had all these mental health struggles. And you see him at times on the court look tentative. Not He used to play with so much force. I remember that first playoff series. I mean, I covered the first playoff game him and Embiid played together. And there was like a fear when he was on the court. You could, you know, the, there was like this force that he played with that's just not there. So I'll just kind of open it up to you. What have you made the Nets the last couple games? Do you think Simmons at the five is viable long term? Uh, what are you seeing from them generally? There's a few things. I mean... You can't help but notice Simmons and the the tentative nature of of his play. Um, you know, just kind of reading around even this morning on what other people were writing, uh, Zach Lowe uh, essentially lays that out. I think it's actually the last point in his ten points column where he says he's not he's giving up the ball too quickly sometimes where teammates aren't even really expecting it, where he might have mm-hmm. a little bit further to to go. Like I think to what you're saying, he. At his best when he was younger, not younger, but just, you know, earlier on in his career, um, he goes into the teeth of the defense because he's a physical guy. Um, and you need for him to be a physical guy because he's not going to hurt you from 18 feet out. He's not going to hurt you from the three point line. He has to go in to the teeth of the defense. He has to get going in transition. He's got to make use of the dunker spot. And basically, that's the only time he's even looking at the basket is if he's standing right there at the basket. There have been a couple possessions here and there where, it's also very clear, by the way, that they want to get him going. And so a lot of the few, mm-hmm. first few possessions kind of go through him or involve him. Um, so you absolutely notice that part. Um, the other stuff you notice, though, too, is just like you can't look at the Nets, even if you think they're improving, uh, without noticing that, like, man, they really, really like nobody stops Luka, nobody stops Giannis, but they're really not mm-hmm. stopping them. And they just don't have anybody like Simmons is probably the guy they have that you would say, if we're going to kind of have one guy to take this role to guard these sorts of people, this is the guy we would have do it. But you're also kind of stuck in a spot where like, well, how how good is he physically right now? We've seen the guy reach down and grab it for his back, which that concerns me more Mm -hmm. than anything, quite frankly. Crazy. Uh, so, So that part, you know, like. Who do they have to stop these sorts of guys? Is it asking too much of Simmons to be the only guy to do it? Which makes me think like they're going to need a bigger body. It makes me think about the idea that somebody like Jay Crowder is out there. Um, the other thing I think is just like, I like Claxton. Dayron Sharp is a little bit rough sometimes watching him play. Um, but they, they, they're going to need somebody. And I think Jeff Van Gundy said it on one of their broadcasts, if not the one yesterday, like, at some point, they, they're probably going to need a different type of center uh, for the rebounding that they give up, uh, for the fact that they just are going to get bullied because at times it does feel like they're playing with a bunch of two guards and small forwards, frankly, against teams that have two bigs 
one big that's really good. Like you're, they just don't have enough size all the time. And yes, absolutely, the 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 clash of Simmons with another one of their bigs. There's just even for all the shooting they have, and granted, not all of it is back yet. We know that Curry's not there. We know that Joe Harris has not been there consistently yet um, as they're working him back in. But like even with all the shooting they have, it just sometimes doesn't feel like enough given that you've got two guys that you can kind of ignore-ish like shooting-wise. And it's uh, so it's a little bit of a concern, but big, bigger than anything. And to your point, Simmons finding ways to make him more aggressive, urging him to be more aggressive – Using him as a as an aggressive screener and having him roll hard to the basket after he does it, um, you know, you, you need more out of him. Like I don't think he needs to be a fifteen point scorer per game on this team, but I think he probably needs to be more than like a six or seven point. I don't want to see things where we're comparing his ratio of fouls to his his points, and that's been kind of rough so far. Uh, but again, we knew it was going to take time. Um, their defense is the bigger concern. I, I, I think. You know, more so even than just Simmons. But, uh, you know, Simmons is the guy they're relying on for defense. So what does that mean? It, it, it's a tough spot. Their, their schedule yeah. will get easier, too. Yeah. True. Someone said Simmons' stat lines look like the three-digit code on the back of your credit card, which was rough. Holy <laughs> hell. to that Twitter user. I will say defensively, one of my big pet peeves is in the switching era teams that give up soft switches. And, you know, I hear sometimes people say there's no answer for certain guys, which is true. You know, Luca's going to Luca, but sometimes it's like people will be like, oh, Luca's just going to get that switch. And it's like, you don't have to give him a switch. Like, there was a time in this world when defenses, in fact, didn't switch and the world, you know, still kept spinning on its axis. And the number of times the Nets just said, all right, we'll let Luca post up Kyrie. In that game, I mean, they were lucky that they didn't get out of hand in the first quarter. Luca missed a couple bunnies. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I understand you want to play small, you want to play fast, but and maybe switching is your identity, but that doesn't mean you just give Luca the Kyrie matchup whenever he wants. Um, you know, offensively, you mentioned the hard rolls. It's just crazy that that's not happening yet, and I understand it's a I big know. adjustment for him. It's not the game he played, but you think about someone like Bruce Brown. You know, I'm going to have a story coming out on the Nuggets soon, and it's funny, like, Bruce Brown was never a screener, roller type. The guy was a point guard. And then all of a sudden, he's become one of the best decision makers on catching the ball off a screen, playing in a four on three. It's just, Simmons has to commit himself to that. So, like, he definitely has some accountability here. I will say, there were multiple moments in the Mavs game where I thought he did a good job, um... It wasn't exactly a pick and roll, but, you know, KD would get the ball on the elbow. There'd be so much attention on KD. Sims would quickly dive to the hoop. Uh, he'd give the ball up to KD, dive to the hoop. Like, he just needs to be doing that all the time. Um, th- that that has to be a, a consistent role for him. Something he can't, he can't take a possession off there. Um, also, you mentioned him grabbing his back. Like, he, he is like what I call Michael Porter Jr. stance out there sometimes, which is like... And Michael Porter often doesn't play defense, but Ben Simmons is relied upon to do that against like the Lucas and the Giannis. That's scary, right? Right. It's like, it's like Simmons doesn't look like he can comfortably get in a defensive stance at all times. I mean, definitely not in the way that he used to. So it's just a bummer. And I, you know, the conversation around him has always been so over the top and mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of philly fans who <laughs> wanted him gone a lot of philly fans who really defended him and it was this very like intense and charged conversation at all times and it's to the point where i don't think pe- anyone's like truly rooting for his demise but it is a little bit like every time he makes a mistake it's going viral yeah. and <laughs> i just wish we had a little bit less of that you know like the guys i you know you see people he airballed a layup last night early in the game and i see people tweeting out the clip like oh he needs time and this is so depressing and it's like well if you watch the rest of that game you you see that he actually got better as the game went along you can see the confidence grow a little bit and it's just tough how distorted the conversation around him's gotten as well it especially when you know he's kind of dealing with these mental health issues i just hope he really does get an actual chance to work through that that that's kind of what I would just urge people to think about 
um, is that, you know, and even now and again, I will sometimes kind of just take down maybe a tweet. Like, we're reacting to all this stuff. Like, look, these are professional athletes. It's fair to critique them. Um, I do think it's probably fair to be reasonable about some of it. Um, where Simmons, just like anything else, like I, I think about WD-40 and the fact that the the door that I have over my washer and dryer, it gets rickety sometimes. You have to spray it down. Like it needs time to kind of adjust to that change. Uh, that happens quickly with WD-40. But like Simmons might need a few minutes to kind of loosen his back if that's if it feels tight to him. Um, mm-hmm. he, he might, you know, it might get uncomfortable for him at times during games. Which that seems like again, and I don't know exactly how these sorts of injuries work, these sorts of surgeries work. That does concern me a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's something that ever goes away fully. I don't know what it says about the fact that Simmons is the age he is and has those back issues. Same with Michael Porter Jr. But to be cognizant of that, um, I, I took down a tweet the other day just saying how rough DeAndre Jordan looked, which it wasn't wrong. But also it's like the guy is getting older. Certain people have like aging curves. That's probably on some level if he looks that bad and he's still getting the opportunity to play. It's kind of more on his coach than him. And mm-hmm. I think that's some of what we're talking about with Russ as well. Like why the organization, I'm starting to take more aim at them as opposed to Russ. Like Russ makes boneheaded decisions sometimes. But I don't know that we can continue to just beat a dead horse with that when the team has the opportunity to trade him. We don't know what it would take for them to do it. But at some point, like it seems like the nature of that stuff just gets so toxic to where it's like, okay, who's going to do something about this? The coach, the team, because like the player is who the player is at some point. And uh, I don't know. So that that conversation gets a little bit frustrating to me. Clay, we saw what he said yesterday in response mm-hmm. to Barkley. That's where I'm kind of on the fence a little bit because like Barkley it, it, was... I don't think Barkley said anything wrong. It's his job right. to, you know... Right. I understand that Clay Clay agreed with him, basically, and just said, like, give me some time. Yeah. I, you know, and I, th- I think people are, for the most part. I, I don't mm-hmm. like Barkley, if I recall correctly, too, had like, did he not tear his Achilles at the end of his career or he, whatever? He injury? tore it, I think, a, like a quad tendon or something like that. Yeah. Or, so, I mean, yeah. I don't think he played. I, he, he It was not the same stage of his career necessarily that, that Clay ha- that happened to. But, like, I don't think that he was wrong. I do think that there's something to be said. Like, again, I, I think that I'm on the fence about how I feel about all that. I understand Clay feeling frustration or, you know, like wanting more time. These guys are human. And I do think that there's an element of that that just gets lost, especially as we talk about splicing one play here, one play there. You know, there have just been so many takes from this season already. And I'm just like, yo, the season just started. <laughs> like, this guy yeah, didn't play last year. He's on takes. a team. Yeah. He's been he's on a team that has like expectations. I don't know that anybody's expecting the Nets to win the title. Some people could see it. There's the talent there maybe to make it happen, but there's flaws within that team aside from him. And very similar to, you know, the stuff with Russ, like I think that he probably is their biggest problem, but there's real flaws on that team aside from him. Uh so I don't know. I I I wish we could have all these takes with, with like in moderation. And I I we've yeah. had a week and a half of the season. It's it's still so early. Anyway, please continue. Oh, no, there have been hella takes, man. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, people just need to give him time. Like, let's check in on them later, and you know, there will be a time where we can say this wasn't enough. But yeah, I just they haven't even found the right lineups yet. You know, we're still waiting on Seth Curry to come back. You mentioned Joe Harris has been in and out. There, TJ Warren is he ever going to play again? Like I was interested to see him uh, so. with this team. So I, I, I just want to see them a little bit at full strength, a little bit of time to figure out the right lineup combinations. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I want to get to something we have not done in a while, actually, on this show. Shockingly, I want to get to an email. Please, please keep your emails coming, guys. Uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. I know I've been not great about opening up the mailbag recently, but we got a couple uh, fun ones today. And I wanted to get to this team because it's something I wrote about today because, you know, I wrote about the Sixers. Like, if the Sixers went 1-4 in, four in a, over a five-game stretch in February, it would be bad, but, it, you know, it would... It would be all right. They're one, you know, they've had a bad stretch, whatever. But when it when it happens early in the season, and you just got that one in the win column, like it looks so much worse. <laughs> um, like because you're you tied for like last place, damn near. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> like when you have that bad stretch to start the season, it just it sticks out so much more. And that brings us to my hometown, Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, who most recently dropped two games in a row to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. Um, the Clippers were doing one of those, you know, the home series. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about those home series yet where teams play two games in a row against the same team in their city. I understand wanting to cut back on travel. I like that generally. But, you know, you, you catch one wrong injury break or something like that, and it really changes the whole tenor of that. Uh, the Clippers sat Kawhi and Paul George for the first game of the two-game set. Paul George plays in the second one. I wish everyone could see right now, by the way, the beverage situation that Chris Herring is working on. <laughs> the guy is Double fisted, got a sir. Drink, drink in each hand. It's legendary. Essentia and Gatorade. <laughs> Hydrated at all times. Go ahead, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to blow, blow up your spot. Um, but the Clippers are now two and three. Kawhi came off the bench in game one, is already on like a some kind of serious load management program. Yeah. I, I think a lot of publications, including ourselves, were pretty excited about the Clippers headed into this season. Um a lot of talk that they're the deepest team, that they're they could be title favorites at full strength. Are you in are you in on the spectrum of wait and see mode on one end and 
hey man, this Kawhi stuff's getting really strange on the other end. Like, what are you, what are you closer to? Because I'm starting to come around to like, will we ever see really real Kawhi again? Yeah, um, I, I'm a little bit concerned. Not quite as much about that. I do think at some point we would like to see him in the lineup more consistently. I would imagine that in the next couple of weeks, if not sooner than that, that they will kind of do away with the whole, we're going to bring him off the bench. Um, and it was interesting because even when I was texting my friends about that bit of news, when it dropped, I think it came out the day of their opener that they were, might bring him off the bench or that they were fiddling with that idea. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, they're going to have him on a minutes restriction. And I think so many times, I think with Zion in particular, whenever he was coming back, from his injuries and they had him on minutes restrictions, you'd play somebody for like the first six, seven minutes. Like if you had like a 25 minute restriction, you play him for like the first six or seven minutes because you know, he's a superstar as a starter. Then in order to do it the way you want to do it, like he ends up sitting for like the whole end of the first quarter, the entirety of the beginning of the second quarter. And then you only get to play him at the end of the first half. And then it's like, okay, then you're going to do that in the second half. And so you end up sitting for a long, you end up sitting for a whole quarter, basically, because mm-hmm. you're going to play two quarters of the game. You're just basically not playing a quarter at a time. It's a long time off. So my thought with that is like, well, by doing it the way they're doing it and having him start when they are, he's going to have less long gaps to have to sit out so that they could play him at the end of the game so that he's not quite as hot and cold and just that his body doesn't get cold on the bench. So I figured like, okay, we'll see how that works. I think you can do that for a few weeks, but at some point, at some point, they need to have some continuity. Um, I kind of feel like mm-hmm. the last couple of years they haven't had much of that. Even yesterday when they had Paul George, like part of me wonders, like how much does that hinder you from game to game, like having completely different sorts of situations: one star, two stars, no stars. And what I'm start- the the concern that I have now is not about Kawhi and Paul George as much. It's more like, have we overrated the depth that they have, at least for regular season? Mm. I, I, I could see how the depth could be really useful and the versatility could be really useful in a playoff series. Again, assuming that they have the continuity that they need and guys are in the lineup more often. But we talked about this team like, yo, no matter how they distribute PG and Kawhi and how often they play, this is a team that could win 55. I don't know if people have said 60 because we probably have known that they were going to miss games. But... Mm-hmm. I would have thought that the team was deep enough to like take care of Oklahoma City in a two-game set, regardless of whether PG and Kawhi were playing. Honestly, I just would have felt that way. And to see them lose both games, including one where PG did play, uh, concerning is like probably strong of a word, but like I feel like they have enough talent and enough depth to withstand the idea of not having one or both of those guys for those two games to at least split. But to lose them both was not the greatest look as far as I was concerned. So I'm not concerned yet, but it's like I'm starting to wonder if maybe we've overrated the just been kind of uh, mesmerized by how much depth they have. And maybe that's not good enough from night to night when they're not playing their stars. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's it's really interesting, especially you see like other teams now and you think about their top guys because their top guys actually play and then their rotations are a little bit more set like. Bro, like what Jock Landell is doing for the Suns, bro. Like, I'm really, the, I'm ready to pitch the Jock profile. Like he's been so fun. Um, he Man. was so How sick the in Suns, that Warriors game. Every one of their bigs, every one of the Suns bigs ever in the history of life has been like incredible. No matter how inexperienced yeah. <laughs> they are with that group, yeah. it's insane. And uh, yeah, I mean he he was incredible, but it's it, look, man. If you're DeAndre Ayton, I understand the hard feelings. Uh, you were a really good player. <laughs> top 30, top 40, wherever we had him. I can't remember exactly where we had him in our list. Uh, maybe it was like in the, the mid-40s, whatever. Um, but it's, it, you know, and we talked about this a little bit last year. Like, I understood some of the hesitation with wanting to pay the dude a max because everybody they insert there, Jalen Smith, uh, Kaminsky was having a nice season before he got hurt. Um, yeah, hurt. you know, you Biombo name it, Biombo was in yeah. there. Um, they all eat and like, you know, it's easy to yeah. attribute a lot of that to Chris Paul. Chris Paul's not even scoring that much and it's still like that, you know, or mm-hmm. lot, lot, man, everybody that 
gets in that spot in the lineup, eats. And uh, it's been cool to see. Anyway, we're, we're off track. We're talking about the Clippers. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you make an interesting point about their depth. Um, is it a little bit overrated? It's also like at a certain point, you know, this team, that first year they were together, like they really maybe in a normal season could have won the title. And it would have been real validation for how they treat the regular season, which is like dirt. Like This team just kind of spits on the regular <laughs> season. Ka- Kawhi has played... 42 minutes total so far this year. Um, he's taken 18 shots this entire season. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to live in a world where teams can be this disjointed. And again, I know Kawhi's hurt, and they're, this team has been from day one since they got Kawhi and PG. Remember that first year PG was coming off the shoulder injury, he didn't play for a lot of the season. They've been very stringent about load managing these guys you know everything they do from a process standpoint in terms of the players they've acquired how they treat their stars makes perfect sense from a process standpoint it's what you're supposed to do you know pay people um keep guys together don't overwork your your stars but and on the flip side of that coin is just the continuity you think about like the reps now that Chris Paul, who joined a year later, right? But think about the reps that Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton have had together compared mm. to Kawhi and PG. You think about um, the reps Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo got together, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, you know, whoever you want to put on that list. It, you just see, I think you see that trust more. You see that kind of. Uh, mm that continuity come through a little bit more than you do. You think about the Bucks with uh, Middleton, Giannis, and now Drew. So, yeah, man, I, I just – it's too – yeah, the Warriors too. It's too early. It is too early to be concerned. Like, they're going to make us look like idiots if I say, like, this is a bad sign because in October no. they lost two games to the Thunder. But it, it just uh, – You make it, a good There's point, like a bro. basketball soul thing, yeah. You make a good point. I mean, let, let's let's think about it this way too, because I think one of the n- most interesting names you just listed there was was Chris Paul. I know you're talking about the context of, you know, mm-hmm. that trio, but Chris Paul is someone that has had a lengthy injury history. Um, that, however, it's worked that they found a way. Now, I think he did have the one injury coming right out of one of the All Star games since he's been in Phoenix, where he missed 20 games or whatever it was. But generally speaking, he's been healthy. He's been healthy enough to play, which we haven't always been able to say that about him. Um, He's been there, and it has helped their continuity. The, the Suns have probably had more minutes with their main lineup over the last two, three years than any other team in basketball. And they, you know, even now, even in, in a year where we're like, yo, what what do we make of the Suns after Game 7 last year? They're still kind of one of the best teams, at least regular season statistically, net rating, you name it, whatever. Um it, it it does get interesting and it does raise the question a little bit of with Kawhi and PG, um, guys that have been banged up throughout their career, sometimes freak stuff, sometimes stuff that seems like it's kind of taken a toll over time with Kawhi and, and, and his tendon and whatever. Um, it, it does beg the question of like, if you push them a little bit, could they take it? Obviously, if they have another injury, a really catastrophic one, then the blame would go the other way and say, like, man, you should have just kept up what you were doing. So it's one of those kind of it, – it does feel a little bit damned if you do, mm-hmm. damned if you don't. Um, and not to mention if you do that, given where they're at contract-wise, that might be it. And we talked on our previous podcast about the idea of, like, is it a failure if they never win anything? Uh, it, man, that would be a hell of a way to go out because you you pushed a little bit too hard. So I'm on board mm-hmm. with them trying this a little bit longer, but I, I also agree with you that, like, could you maybe play Kawhi a little bit more? Uh, and, and and again, over the yeah. course of the season, I imagine they will. I imagine they'll loosen up with this a little bit. I hope they do because that's essentially what I'm saying is like the depth is is nice to have. But at a certain point, you probably do need these guys on the court a little bit more. Um, so we'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll honestly see. And I, you know, I, I would like to think we weren't that off on the Clippers and how good they can be because – roster wise it's really good coach wise i think most of us think very highly yeah. of ty Lue. so you have that you've got two stars like you should be able to to knock out the the uh the thunder yeah. for a two game series i would think the, you know, the, the, the tanking thunder yeah 
yeah, I think you're right. Like the depth will be nice in a playoff series when they can match up with teams and not have to worry about putting a target on the floor or a non-shooter or whatever, but they're going to need their stars at some point. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I want to get to one more email here because just this, the subject line alone was really funny and caught my eye. <laughs> this one comes in from Alex. He says, hey, legends, Alex from Stromovo, Serbia via Sydney, Australia. Would love to Shout hear out. that story someday. Yeah, me too. Alex writes in, with all due, all due respect to King James and his historic accomplishments, when are we going to bite the bullet and admit that right now, in this phase of his career, he's a good stats, bad team guy? I get Ooh. all the criticism of Russ, AD, Palenka, and the whole Lakers roster construction. But if LBJ's play affected winning, then surely they'd be winning, right? Keep up the awesome work and rock on, Alex. This is a wow. funny and good question, but it does get to the heart of something. Let me put you on the spot real quick, though. Is there anyone who the Lakers could replace LeBron with that you think could turn this team into a winning team? That Lakers team. Um, <laughs> meaning that you keep everything else exactly the same as it is right now? Correct. Correct. Um, I... I'd be a little bit curious about Steph. Um, yeah, because that's the only one I can would, think of. It, it's a one-person spacing unit that way. You know, like mm -hmm. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you can't guard the Lakers the way that you have to now. Um, yeah, and and also if you had Steph, man, you would really feel comfortable about sitting Russell Westbrook out. Um, but I, that's the only one that comes to mind right away. I, I, I just think playing with the spacing of a shoebox, playing with a guy that kind of needs the ball and is not going to do enough stuff off the ball if he's in the lineup, meaning Russ. Uh, I don't, I, off the top of my head, no. There, there's, I don't think there's another like mm. high-level ball handler that like you replace Braun with and makes the Lakers a rapidly you know, like way, 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 way better team. Not right now. I don't see it. Um, Steph is the one guy I would say, and specifically because of the spacing that he creates. 
it is the question does get to the heart of something which is interesting though which is what is kind of the lebron impact mm-hmm. on a team at this stage in his career because you know say what you want i'm just i opened up his cleaning the glass page it's like you know his rookie year the team was a minus with him on the floor you know his rookie year the Cavs, minus 2.6 net rating every year after that obviously his teams were incredible with him on the court i mean you know cleveland's net rating in 2009 with james on the floor was um you know 15.3 uh it, it just is crazy number after crazy number and then you get to la last season his you know first time since his rookie year the team was uh, you know a negative with him on the floor this year it's even worse the Lakers have a minus five net rating with LeBron on the floor. And I think it's probably too much. It's definitely too much asking of him to come anywhere close to where he was earlier in his career. But when LeBron is on the floor and you can't outscore opponents, I mean, if you think about our top 100, like who else is that true for? Like even those Denver teams last year, they were the supporting cast was you know, better than these Lakers team, but it wasn't a good supporting cast. Jokic had them in the positive. I mean, Steph's going to have any lineup he's in in the positive. Um, I mean, you could even Jimmy Butler probably, like Tatum. It's, it is really shocking to think that LeBron can't, like you're getting outscored thoroughly with LeBron on the floor. It's not the most, uh, it's it's not the best feeling in Lakerland because of that. I mean, and, and just generally speaking, obviously, I don't have the the on off numbers in front of me. Like, can we give a demerit to NBA dot com slash stats for not having the compare stat page anymore, where you can just look at what the on offs are through there? It's really weird that they. I don't yeah, know if they, took they that messed down. it up. I don't know what they did. Uh, yeah, I might have used that page more than anything else on their site, and I'm sure a lot of other people Same. did too. So. So shout out to them doing that for whatever reason. Bring it back, please. It would be helpful for work purposes <laughs> and for stat checking and stuff like that. But anyway, um, the biggest thing I think about is just that they are where they are. They're, this is still a you know a, a team that's not on the the win board yet, despite having two guys that we all can acknowledge, or even even with AD slide the last few years, two top twenty players. And so that just on the nature of that, you're saying what other top ten guys can we say that about that like? Their team isn't better with them on the floor. We also, you don't even have that many guys in the top 20 that are on the same team. And we have that with them and they don't have mm-hmm. any wins. So, I, like, one of, if one of those things is true, they probably both are. And um, again, and, you know, I saw people tweeting it the other night. Yo, you blamed it on Russ before. Now Russ isn't even playing and they're still taking this L. So, again, I, I don't think anyone said it's completely <laughs> Russ's fault and Russ's fault alone. I will pin most of this on management. You can't shoot 22, mm-hmm. 23% from three through four games and have that be just Russell Westbrook's fault. Um, I would say this in response to just the question of the emailer, and I, I think it's actually an interesting question. Um, the empty stat thing, I do wonder to some extent, like LeBron is has felt a need, like he's one of the few guys that kind of can create and feel comfortable shooting his own threes and not really Mm -hmm. need someone to play him open. Uh, And career-wise, has shot well enough on them to where it's like, in theory, it's not a bad shot. He's not shot it well from three either this year. But on some level, if nobody else can make them, and also there's not clear spacing for him to just have open lanes to kind of run through. Also, he's older, so it's probably not quite as easy for him to get to the basket. Um, some of his stats come from taking those threes. Some of his stats are, are dwindled by taking those threes in part because he might feel like he has to um, because what other spacing do you have other than what he kind of creates a lot of the time uh, other than threes that other guys are just taking because the defense is daring them to take them. So uh, his stats are going to take a hit from that regard too. But it, the, the idea that they're one of the worst offenses in the league with who they have uh, – I don't care who else is on your roster. Like you would expect them to do a little bit better than that. So maybe we are at a point in, in LeBron's career now where he's going to be someone that I won't say a stat patter, but that his numbers might not be as impactful as what they once were. I think that part is obvious, but I would not say that he's a, a good stats, bad team sort of guy. Just generally, I don't think he's become that 
But I do think that we're at a place where his stats are maybe a little bit less impactful. I think defense plays into yeah. that sometimes too. Yeah, he's not like Jeremy Grant on the Pistons. I do also think that he is sometimes in like, ah, well, whatever. At least I'll score 20 points tonight mode. Um, now, granted, it is a four-game stretch. It's only a four-game stretch. His current field goal percentage is 45.3%. That would be his worst since his rookie season. His current three-point percentage is 257 which would also be a career worst. He's taking more threes than ever. He's at nearly nine threes a game through only four games. Um, and he's still putting up a 25, 10, and 8 pretty much. Yeah, man. Again, let's not talk about the Lakers for too long. We talked about them for too much. I'm going to write about this, but it's it's just really hard to overstate the organizational failure, and LeBron is included yeah. in that because we know how much of a say he has. But – for you to have LeBron and AD and be this bad is truly, 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 truly a just shocking level of incompetence um, and like disaster, catastrophic decision after disaster, catastrophic decision. Um, can you can you give me like an over under on how much longer you think this goes on before they make some sort of move? Something like obviously it's not going to be Palenka since they just extended our man, but like Russ, whether it's it's a separate trade without trying to move Russ, whether it's like saying yo we're just not going to play Russ until something happening. How wh- what would you give it like another week of this, two weeks, a month? What what do you think? Like when they win the first game, does it all ease the pressure? <laughs> I don't know. I. I think I just think they're so handcuffed by the you know December 15th kind of soft transaction deadline whatever you want to call it you know Russ is such a big contract they're going to want to try to get multiple rotation players in return I think that I'm just trying to think like is that is that giving them a cop out like you know do they really need to trade for someone who signed a contract this summer. I don't know, but you know, LeBron's already four games in posting the cryptic Instagram post. <laughs> and I'll say this about LeBron because, you know, his, his people have kind of combat the idea like, Oh, like everyone said you moved to LA and like stopped caring about basketball. Well, that's not true. He won a championship. It doesn't help. I'm not saying it's materially making a difference. It doesn't help when it's like, He's in Space Jam. He's in the, you know, he's producing a house party movie and he's got a cameo in it. Or now he's doing like the shop or he's doing NFL watch alongs. Like, you know, it's just a little easier to pull these things off when your team is still really good. I have to imagine, Chris, that there's going to be changes in November. There just has to be. Like, and I don't see how they're going to win games anytime soon either. So. I just I, I don't see how much longer you can just let has it go. To be coming. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, and this was my complaint. You know, last week I've written this in columns and stuff like that. They've done this repeatedly over the last couple of years. This management, you know, Palinka, quite frankly, and, and Magic Johnson was guilty of it before him, where they kind of take this wait and see approach with it. But it's like you don't have time to wait and see when your best player is going to turn thirty-eight in a month and a half, two months, two months. Uh, it, it just like what are you waiting yeah. on between that and Anthony Davis? always getting hurt for a while uh you don't have the cushion of knowing that the team's going to get substantially better you don't know that you're going to have a cushion at all you're playing from behind at this point you're one of what are they one of three teams in the league without a win the other two are teams that we don't necessarily expect to make the playoffs in orlando and sacramento sacramento has looked better and more fun to me than la has at this point yeah Obviously, they, they are not Portland, a couple of years Portland's removed from winning a championship. Than we expected. Yeah, yeah, Sacramento. But just having watched their game, like I tweeted about it this morning, I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. they really had a nice run going here. They they have a young rookie that they could be excited about. Like, there's all sorts of stuff with Sacramento mm-hmm. that you can kind of twist and contort your way into thinking and feeling good about something. There's no good. There's no era of good feelings right now with the Lakers. Like, there's nothing, and that's why I just kind of feel like at some point. There has to be a shift. But anyway, we've talked about it. I, I, I literally see people yeah. tweeting like, yo, all these podcasters say, man, I'm not about to talk about the Lakers. They're horrible. And then talk about it for 15 minutes And then we do it for anyway. 20 minutes. Yeah, so, awesome. so anyway, so we, we, such, we should move on. That was such a good email. That was such a good email. It was. Um, it was. Uh, yeah. You talked about bad vibes. I want to get to a vibes thing real quick. I just want to say, 
there's really good games on recording this Friday morning. Really good games on tonight. Why in the world Wizards Pacers is a national TV game and not Cavaliers Celtics <laughs> is yeah. like so insane. I, I and don't it's know. Like, sometimes I just want to like grab Adam Silver by the shoulders and be like, what are you doing? Like, give me five minutes with the schedule maker and I'll be like, hey, bro. Put this game on ESPN, dog. <laughs> what are you, you know, doing? You know what I think it was? Um, Honestly, what I think it was for that? One, remember they made the schedule before Donovan Mitchell got traded there. So sure, Donovan sure, Mitchell, sure. they expected to be with the Knicks, and so they had that Utah game scheduled with the Knicks for TNT, and then they moved it after it didn't happen. Um, I think uh, they're probably thinking once they, they want to save the best matchups for once football season's over, you know, once they start getting the Saturday right, night games right. on ESPN. So, like, get the teams that, like, are only going to get one national game out of the way early while people are kind of preoccupied with yeah. other stuff. But still, yes, I looked at that and I was trying to figure out, like, at least with Orlando and uh, Oklahoma City, I understood it because this was, like, a matchup of, like, yep. the top, top two picks. picks. Yep. I got that. But why are you doing national games? And also, shout out to the Wizards. Like, I feel like we have not even mentioned them on this podcast. They've done well so yeah. far. Um, I, I'm going to try to take a look at them to, to maybe analyze something. Because I like taking shots and analyzing teams that might not be good the whole season. Mm-hmm. They have a hot start. It's fun to do that. Um, it's part of why Utah's been so entertaining so far. Like, shout out to them. Hey, the but, Wizards? But yes. Yeah. A national game is a little, like, a little of a throw off for Friday. It's a little strange. Let me... Let me the Wizards five man group of Bradley Beal, Chris Tapps Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma. Um oh my god. They have a which Morris is on the Wizards. That's not Marcus or Markeith. Hmm? Who is <laughs> Oh is, Ma- Monte uh, Morris, you know that. <laughs> Right, Monte. I was like, I was looking. Oh my god! I was yes, so confused. I, I'm like, I no, they don't Monte have the Morris, Morris twins. Too. Me too. Yeah, I, dude. When I I just see I see M Morris on the. Oh, damn, you got confused. I love Monte Morris. I was, yeah, I was just talking to Calvin Booth about that trade. Actually, I love Monte Morris. Um, so it's Beal, Porzingis, Kuzma, Morris, Denny, Advia, four games, fifty minutes together. That that lineup. 31.3 net rating. Shout out to the Wizards. Mm. Um, yep. And shout out to Monte Morris, by the way, who's like probably been one of the most underrated point guards he, in the league. He's like, he's a top 30 point guard in the league. And it's good that he's yep. a finally like. He was due for a starting role. And I like that because yeah. it like, I, I, I liked the Nuggets getting Bruce Brown. Like, I think he's one of the best fits in the league. I've said that from the day they got mm-hmm. him. The, the minute that we saw the tweets coming out about the fact that he was going there. But I really, really, really um, didn't like the Nuggets having to give up Morris. Now we're, you know, mm-hmm. we even in our text group, you and me, like, man, Murray's looked rough. And, like, very similar to the Simmons stuff, we could have predicted a lot of that probably. I think it was kind of like mm-hmm. cautious optimism, hopeful hopefulness that we had surrounding the fact that, like, he's coming back from a major injury. Morris was a starting caliber point guard as part of why Denver was so good anyway mm-hmm. without Murray. Um, so you didn't love losing him, certainly. Um, yeah. But, you know, in the in the swap for KCP. But, uh, yeah, Morris, it doesn't surprise me that he's doing as well as he is, that, that Washington is benefiting in some way from him being there. Yeah. He's also just, like, the perfect point guard to have next to a wing scorer like Beal. Because mm-hmm. he, you know, he doesn't need to have the ball. He's not going to pound the ball or anything like that. Sure. Um, yeah, we've been texting about Jamal a lot in our group chat, and I do think the Nuggets should seriously consider bringing him off the bench. They've been fine with him in that starting lineup, along with KCP, Aaron Gordon, MPJ, and, and Joker. But I think Bruce Brown's been really good. But the team I wanted to talk about because it's funny you, you mentioned not an air of good vibes around the Lakers. We talked to the team on our Megapod. Um, the Phoenix Suns, who we kind of all agreed had probably the worst vibes of any team in the offseason. We were talking about small sample net ratings. They inserted Cam Johnson into the starting lineup this year. Ooh. Paul Booker, Bridges, Aiton, and Cam Johnson, 55 minutes together, 35.1 net rating. 
Just smoking teams on both ends of the floor. Whoa. Jake Crowder has to be looking up yeah. mad as hell. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> did you it's, hear that? Did you hear that report? This is my boy. It's no no disrespect. Dude, that to him. was he only so... Chris Haynes when he was on TNT explaining like bro whatever that was so funny. Man, I was just kind of like, like okay, bro, we so, all... so then what? It's like. <laughs> Alternative like, facts bro, was know, what that sounded like. Yeah. Also, we know Jay Crowder sent you that text in all caps. Like you did not read it in the way that it was sent to you. What, what's um, his What's his Twitter handle? Bossman ninety nine or whatever. Bossman ninety nine. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's probably, he sounds like somebody that have all caps. But yo, like when yeah. he said that, that's not what it was about. That it's been misrepresented. Okay, then tell us what would represent it accurately yep. then, because yep. it sure yep. seems like it was over the idea of you losing the starting job. And oh, by the way, yeah. your team is rolling without you with better net ratings and a better shooter than what you ever have been, really. So it, it it's yeah. just interesting. I'll put it that way. Uh, but, you know, in, in fairness, it, I, I do think Crowder and as we talk about the Nets and as we talk about um, other teams that could really use a body and, and, and somebody to kind of defend threes and fours, physical threes and fours, uh, hell, there's a lot of teams that could use somebody like Crowder. The Suns could get something back for him and add to their rotation, which is already mm-hmm. good. But it is really interesting. Like I, I, that's what I've been impressed with with Phoenix. Like we could talk about all the on-court stuff, and there's plenty of it to talk about. But the stuff that they'd have swirling over that team for the last couple of years between mm-hmm. Sarver, which was massive and only got bigger in the last few weeks, uh, but that was swirling over the team the whole year, and they reeled off 17 or 18 wins in a row last year to basically start the season. Um, Aiton clearly not being happy about his situation. Like I'm always really impressed by what they're able to play through, and uh, Crowder mm-hmm. is like a small version of that, but it is a starter basically saying he wants out, allegedly. Yeah. He, he claims that's not the case yeah. based on what Chris Haynes is yeah. saying, but... They've been really impressive considering that there's that. Aiton and, and uh, Monty Williams like not speaking unless they absolutely have to, apparently. The vibes were not good like for multiple reasons. Like The questions about Chris Paul uh, and, and, frankly, Chris Paul not looking like much of a scorer to start the season. It really has not slowed them down at all. They've looked great. They looked a little worrisome in that first game and then kind of turned stuff around uh, right towards the end of it it. it. it really feels like them winning that first game, as crazy as it sounds, was huge. a huge turning point. Huge. Like, they could not afford they could not afford to get blown out by Dallas. And they come back and win that game by two. You look at their wins. They lose to a good Portland team by two mm-hmm. in overtime. Like, Portland's been better than anyone expected. They come back. You know, they smack up the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers are the Clippers. Then they beat Golden State by 29 points. Remember when Clay Thompson said during the 2016 finals, he's like, maybe LeBron hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe LeBron's. I think, uh, I that, think the yeah, Suns set him did off. that too. To Clay Thompson, I think that uh, <laughs> they hurt his feelings a little bit. I think Devin Booker was, was cooking him on both ends. It's of been the kind floor. of a rough week for Clay um, now that I think about it. Yeah. 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 So right. it's been uh it's been an impressive three and one start. You know, they're getting kind of a hurt Pelicans team tonight, and then they got Minnesota, Portland coming up, Dame could be out. They play Philly on the seventh of November, which I think could be really interesting. But yeah, I just again all these teams can make us look so stupid literally in like a week because it's just so early in the season. But, <sighs> but did, I did have been doubt that Phoenix... Phoenix considering but, but we did, all did. I didn't did mean to interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think a lot saying, of us did, but I, 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 I remember you and I having this conversation, uh, and we were having a conversation about what we thought the top four might look like, or which team, which of these teams would miss mm-hmm. the top four. And I think you ended up putting, I, I, I keep getting mixed up, whether you put the Pelicans in your top four, if they were right outside of it, or if you pulled Phoenix out of your top four. I, I know we've had the conversation about like, okay, we might not be in on them as the top seed. Certainly, like there's been a lot of weird stuff. The vibes are not good. Um, But I also think, too, like nobody doubted whether there was talent there. The question that I think a lot of us had and that a lot of us are saying is like they could be this season's jazz, like last season's jazz, Mm -hmm. where wins wise, they're right there in the conversation for the top four, maybe in the top three. But we just don't trust them in the playoffs anymore. And we're going to have to like until further notice, like we Mm -hmm. when you get blasted that way at home in a game seven. Um, with the vibes also being bad, there wasn't much reason to kind of feel like this year would be different, not to mention Chris Paul getting older. Um, there wasn't much reason. You know, the, the roster um, 
was largely the same. They're going to have opportunities to tweak that now with Crowder. Uh, we're talking about uh, Landale and everything like that. So there, there, there's things, but <laughs> I, I think it was more just like, yo, even if you do really well in the regular season, you're going to have to prove it at this point in the playoffs uh, because yeah. you, you took a real step back last year from having made the finals the year before that. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like that was more of what people were saying, but also the vibes weren't good. So they could have been anywhere from one to five maybe even six in the West, but like nobody expected them to miss the playoffs or anything crazy like that. It's just, we don't expect much from them in the playoffs now because of last year. So we'll see. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see. They, they look really good so far. It's kind of like you and I, Chris, like Chris and I don't get along with each other. We have a ton of <laughs> off the podcast issues. Um, you know, it's just, uh, but you get, you get him and I together on the pod wow. and it just, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, a funny thing that happens that. now is a funny thing that happens now is like I get excited listening to you and Zach Lowe on a podcast, and I'm like, I podcast with Chris Eric. I shouldn't be this excited. <laughs> to listen to this, but, uh, <laughs> this is why you and me are friends, man. I just thought of, yeah, I thought about that this week. I was like, that is so funny. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, well, Chris, on that note, that will do it for today's episode. Thank you for everyone for listening. Please keep the emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Shout out to all our listeners, as always. Shout out to a slowly, slowly but surely, I think people are catching on to my Democratic People's Republic of Boston state propaganda jokes. You know, there's a couple loyal listeners out there who are picking up on it, and I appreciate you guys. I really do from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Um, Everyone, enjoy Halloween. Um, Let us know about your favorite costumes and any other thoughts you have. Um, Until the next episode, continue to enjoy the NBA season. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.